Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Turn in your Bibles here in just a second. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. And uh, before we get too far into it, let's say this declaration like we mean it. This is a declaration if you're new to us or you just recently started coming to Destiny Church. This is something that we say every um, Sunday because it's our focus for this year. And what you were uh, witnessing earlier up here with that whole song that Rachel uh, was singing, that is something that uh, in next year we're going to have a different one. And um, and it really, all of our teachings for the year come out of these declarations. And so that moment meant a lot to me because I've been praying to the Lord about that. And when I started listening to this, Holy Spirit said, that's it. That's, that's part of the declaration for this coming uh, year. And um, so let's say it like we mean it. Okay, here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. The other day I was meeting with a friend of mine uh, who does not, uh, doesn't go to church here any longer, and we were having lunch together, and, um, and I, we were just kind of talking about just spiritual things, and, and he said, you know, I remember our declaration when we first came to Destiny, and I'm like, that is so cool uh, because we've been doing this now for, uh, I don't know, the better part of a decade, if not more, the Lord has been uh, leading us in this way. And, uh, and I said, that is so cool. Uh, I want to see if anybody here knows it. All right. Test time. Um, there will be a few of you that, that will remember this. The kingdom... That is so good. Woo! She wins a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit. Like, you go, girl. But, you know, that's the purpose of declarations. Declarations are things that you declare and they become part of who you are. Um, the Declaration of Independence, the Pledge of Allegiance, the, you know, National Anthem, the Apostles' Creed, the... Uh, pledge to the Christian flag, you know, those kinds of things. And everybody might not know those. I'm not even sure I could recite all of them myself. I know I couldn't the Declaration of Independence. But those are things that we declare, and they, they are things that, you know, pretty much shape our lives. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness, and I appreciate uh, that. And I even remember talking, it's like we teach these in kids' church too. So our declaration in here is the same declaration that the kids have in the back. And uh, a lot of times that's why we keep them simple because they just need to be very succinct so the kids can get it. And man, I tell you, I was talking to one of our kids, this has been years ago, and they knew like four different uh, declarations. Isn't that powerful? That kid will remember those declarations for his entire life and it will guide his life. So praise God. Um, so Acts chapter 2, we're going to dive into 42 through 47 here in just a little bit. And I'm on this series that I started last week, and it's called Koinonia. And so Koinonia is really community that's built in the image of God. It's community the way that God wants community. To happen. And there are a lot of people that they have community, but is it the kind of community that really benefits you? I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about their community, the people that really come uh, to their aid when they are in need. And, uh, and so they do, they come to the person's aid when they're in need, but they also bring with them all kinds of dysfunction and brokenness. 
And we all bring that to a degree, and it's only by the grace of God and the, the, us being led by the Spirit that we don't uh, influence people in a negative way. But anyway, I was talking to this gentleman, and he was talking about how his friends are there for him way more than the church is. And he was basically comparing his friends who don't come to church and his friends that do come to church and how his friends in the world are there way better uh, for him than, than this. But every time, it's like, if you'll just look at it, every time, which one of those communities are you better when, when you're associated with? Are you on a high or low when you're connected with them? And when you consistently see yourself at a low point in your life, when people are helping you out, they ain't really helping you out. And maybe the thing that you need is not what they're doing, which is maybe, you know, some, they might be there financially, physically in some way, or maybe even an emotional crutch. Maybe, maybe that's not what you, you need. Maybe sometimes you just need to be told the truth. You just need to be told the truth. And sometimes, um, all right, religious people alert, religious people alert, religious people alert. All right, I'm just letting y'all know you're fixing to get offended. Um, and sometimes maybe it's just that you need one of these. A quick kick in the tail. Like you just need the Apostle Paul in your life to say, hey, don't, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. Sometimes you just need a Paul to say, nope, you're not pulling that. You're not pulling that sympathy card. You're not pulling that victim card. It's time to stop doing that. You know, Paul was like, no, it's time for y'all to stop sucking on your mom's teat. Religious people alert number two. It's time for you to stop breastfeeding. It's time for you to get off the bottle, the milk of the word. You've been there way too long. It's time for you to put on your big boy pants. It's time for you to grow up. I'm going to go on because y'all can't handle it. Koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word for community. It means a, a number of things. I shared this with you last week. It means fellowship, it means covenant relationship, it means community, but it also means contribution. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that next week, but it means participation. Um, there are people, like, listen to me, this is not a beat you up message, this is a discipleship time. But there are people in the room that you're not in koinonia with destiny, and you're not in koinonia with really any church. You're, you attend and you come, but that's not what koinonia is. That's not what community is. Community is participation. It's contribution. It's I bring something to the table. Community and koinonia is not consumption. It's not, you know, we've done a terrible job in the American culture at building an incredible consumer identity in church. I've done it myself as a leader. Why? Why did you do that, Pastor Rife? Why did you train the church in that way? Because that's the way I was trained. That's what I was taught that we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be consumers. That I need to give you what you want. Because if you don't, if I don't give you what you want, there's 14 other churches within a five-mile drive from here, and you'll take yourself, your family, your tithe dollar. You'll go there. So it's like, I got to give you what you want. And... We've done a terrible job making the church that. And uh, that's not who we are. Like, you definitely won't get that here. Um, like, when we go down that road, and l let me kind of backtrack a little bit. I have done that at Destiny 
But when we begin to explore what the kingdom looks like, it totally changed how we do life and ministry. When we do ministry like Jesus, sometimes ministry uh, growth in the kingdom looks like subtraction. It does. Ooh, get ready because I'm fixing to say something that's going. There are some people that I'm glad they're not at destiny anymore. <laughs> I got an amen over there. I was literally thinking about this the other day. I was literally thinking about this the other day. And I was thinking about there are people who are not a part of our body. And I mourned their loss. And then I look and go how dysfunctional they were. And how much they held this body back. I, I look at that and I think I'm. I'm glad they're not here. <laughs> Y'all don't like hearing that, do you? I, 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 I'm glad that they're not holding us back musically anymore. Ooh, just got, oh, you just got poop all over your shoes, man. Where it just got deep. I'm, I'm glad there are not certain people in our congregation that they're going, to, they're going to have the audacity to say to me. I mean, I can imagine them saying it to Brian or, you know, Alan or Braden. I can imagine them saying it to you, but they're going to say to my face, Pastor, um, there's just no way that the Holy Spirit can move every Sunday. Like, y'all need to stop manipulating the music. I swear to God, I'm not, miss, I'm not making this up. Like, y'all need to stop manipulating the music. Like, there's no way Holy Spirit can move like that every week. I'm glad those people aren't here anymore. Like, there's a lot of churches you can find that, you know, they're, they got their m music down to a science. It's 14 point six seconds and if and and there is a place for people like that but it's not here and it's not always pretty you know uh you know you know like we're having that prophetic moment and we're basically up here having a conversation like we would have in rehearsal and you just get to be a part of it because we're not trying to impress you we're, we're trying to hear the heart of God for this house. And that's what koinonia is. Koinonia is this community that's following hard after God. And there's two words in scripture. As a matter of fact, you'll find them both in uh, Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 42 through 47. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the second word is ecclesia. A lot of you guys know this word. Ecclesia is where we get our word ecclesiastical. It's many, many times translated as the church, but it's bigger than that because the church, the ecclesia means fellowship. What other word means fellowship? Koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship. Ecclesia means fellowship. Ecclesia can be translated as a church, an assembly. We're an assembly. We're a gathering. We're a body of people come together for a specific purpose. That's what ecclesia is. And so when you hear these, you, they're really interchangeable. Ecclesia is koinonia and koinonia is ecclesia. And there's this thing that's going on in the world, guys. And listen to me, everybody who's watching this message, like this, only this portion of the message is live. You know, the things that go online is just the message. But you guys out there, you get the worship, you get all the spontaneous stuff, you get what I'm saying right now. Online later, the people won't have this, they'll just have the message. So if you're watching, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to offend anybody that's watching today. But there's this thing going on in the church world right now 
that there's a huge shift away from uh, meeting together and everything's going to online, all right? And so, you know, we've got to be careful because when we're looking at, 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 you know, what's happening in the world, there's lots of division that's going on in our world right now. Lots of division, lots of division are going on in our world. And um, what's happening is it's trying to break down the koinonia, the community of faith. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, don't, don't underestimate the power of the enemy. I, I, I love these religious people that I, I had the person tell me one time, um, Pastor Rife, I think that you give the devil too much credit. I'm like, excuse me, tell me how do I do that? They're like, you're, you're always talking about how powerful the enemy is and uh, you're talking about you know, what he's capable of. And I'm like, listen, my friend, if, you, if you're around me long enough, you know where I believe the devil belongs. But the scripture says, beware, be alert, be sober, be vigilant, be alert. He also, the scripture also calls the devil, the enemy, the strong man, not the weak man, the strong man. He says, beware, your enemy, be aware. We have to be aware of the enemy's tactics and what's happening. If you're not the enemy, that's how the enemy creeps in. And so right now, do not underestimate what is happening in our country, guys. There is a diabolical, demonic assault upon the church of the living God. Listen, masks, have a mask? Are you kidding me? Vaccinations? Are you kidding me? Race? What? These are all things that the enemy is using to divide our church. Like we can't be divided racially and be the body of Christ. I can't help what happened 300 years ago or how, you know, uh, 300 years of slavery. I can't happen. We're, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible for that. I can't, I can't change that. But we can, we can do something different now and honor and love people. I, Shay and I were watching a movie last night. Man, I cried through the whole thing. Like, how could we come to this nation and rally up all of the people that own the nation and march them halfway across the country and put them on a reservation. Like how, but I can't change that. That's a history that I didn't, I wasn't born into. And it breaks my heart that our country has atrocities like that. But listen, we, we can't undo history. All we can do is make a better future and a better present. There's all kinds of countries. If you ever go to Africa, I've been there multiple times. There's as much racism on the continent of Africa and most of them are the same color. If you go to Israel, there's racism in Israel right now. Uh, if you go to any continent on the planet, there is racism and there is atrocity. If you go back all the way to the Aztecs in uh, uh, Central America, there was atrocity in those. There's never been a time. Why? Because the heart of man is wicked. But there is something going on in our nation today that we as people of God have got to say, not here, not today, not in my lifetime, not in my hometown, not in my region. Because the enemy hates it when we get together. I'm telling you what, there's power and there's strength in numbers. 
That's a biblical, uh, you know, that's a biblical standard and, and theme that we see all throughout scripture. As a matter of fact, when they were, when the, um, was it the Babylonians that were building the Tower of Babel? Yeah. Uh, uh, but a boom, of course, as soon as I said it, I'm like, of course it was when they were building the tower of Babel. What, what did God say? Do you remember? He's like, we've got to put a stop because they're trying to build their way to heaven. God said, we've got to put a stop to this lest, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, lest they achieve their goal. I don't know how that would be possible to, to do that, but the Lord himself said, like, they're doing something that is not good, but they're all in unity. They're all in one mindset. And I've got to disperse this because one, when you are in unity, see, the enemy, he know. oh, Jesus. The enemy operates by biblical principles better than we do. He knows this is truth. He knows it works and they will work for the devil just like they work for us. How is that possible? Because they're laws. A law is impartial. A law is impartial. And the enemy knows that there is strength in numbers. The enemy knows that there is strength in declarations. The enemy knows that there is strength in knowing who you are and confidence. And right now in our world, we have a diabolical demonic assault on the church And his goal is to divide so that true koinonia does not happen because in true koinonia is where the kingdom of God is birthed and rebirthed and birthed and rebirthed and and it just flows out of that. So I want you to go to Acts chapter two and let's read this. Let's go down to, to verse 42. And what's happening is this is on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up and he preaches to about 3,000 people and they begin to form uh, that day and after a community. In other words, they begin to form koinonia. And it says in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to these things, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's the first word, koinonia. All right, so circle fellowship, that's koinonia. That, the Greek word behind that that you don't see is koinonia. So they devoted themselves to this kind of biblical God image community and <clears throat> to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple, together at the temple, together at the temple, not online, together at the temple. Online folks, don't get mad at me and cut us off. But they worshiped together at the temple each day, every day, every day, each day, at the temple, every day, at the temple, every day. Are you following this? They met They worshiped at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their Greek word behind that, ekklesia. What does it say in your Bible? Fellowship in number. Those who, uh, all right, so number, those who are being saved, uh, church, fellowship. So you see, but the Greek word there is ekklesia. It means a num, we translated a number of different ways, but he added to their 
fellowship. They're gathering with a purpose. There was a purposeful gathering. They met with a purpose. It was intentional why we came together. It wasn't, hey, Bob, thanks for stopping in. You know, I'm glad you stopped by. It wasn't that. They came, converged, assembled, gathered with one purpose in mind, and that one purpose was to exalt the Lord and to lift him up. And so I want you to just kind of, I just want to kind of go through a few things with you. Here's an alert. I'm fixing to say a strong statement. You hear people say, the church is not a building. That is true. The church is not a building. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That is also true. You do not have to go to church. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. But newsflash, Christians go to Ecclesia. Christians engage in koinonia. That's just a fact. And this thing that they're trying to get us to buy into, that we're supposed to make this massive shift towards online ministry. Listen, we have online ministry. It ain't the best. If you've ever watched our online ministry, it, we ain't got the sharpest tools to work with. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the equipment that we got. Sometimes it sounds great. Sometimes it doesn't. We're working on it. Kudos to these guys and, and Brandon who has worked so hard to get our music sounding uh, better. And he, they've done great, uh, a great job with all of that. So we have that, but that is not, we're not shifting everything to that. A day, a day does not go by that I don't get one, possibly two emails. Are you hearing me? Five emails a week or more telling me how we should be shifting everything. If we want to reach the next generation, we got to go to online multimedia and have all of this stuff. While there is a degree of truth to that, this church, either I'm going to eat my words and I'm going to be behind the curve and I'm going to be uh, one of those uh, people that go, man, I sure read that wrong. I sure got that wrong. I'm either going to be that guy or I'm going to be right. We are not going to be that church we're going we're gonna to invest and we're going to have a portal punched into the outer world so that those like Pastor Greg, who can't be here today because he was sick, like is at home watching. There's a benefit for that. But we are not going to forsake this being our main gathering because koinonia is where the church is supposed to be and ecclesia, a place. You can, you can say that online is a place. Well, it, it sort of is. And I also have 948 friends. <laughs> At least that's what the virtual world tells me. It, it is a place virtually, but we're taught, listen, they met in one place because when you get together, there is something that happens when you get together. I want you to look at this. You cannot say that you have a deep faith or be serious about your passion for Christ and live isolated from other believers. I just wanna let that soak in for a second. Because I have people, listen, I, love, I loved my alone time. My wife, she's constantly, uh, when she goes off on a trip, She's constantly saying, are you going to miss me? And I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm going to miss you, baby. It's going, I'm going to miss you every day. I'm going to be crying and, you know, and there's, there's truth to that. But my wife knows I like, I like alone time. Like I love time where I'm just by myself. I'm like, cause I'm my favorite person to spend time with. Any of anybody out there? I'm, I'm my favorite person in the world. I'm great. I'm so agreeable. I always agree with me. But you cannot say that 
well, I just like to be alone or I'm a loner. And listen, that is not how God designed you. Last week, we, I, I shared with you, God designed us for fellowship. He does, it's how you're designed. You ever used an appliance for, for something that it, like I needed a hammer last week. Y'all should have saw me. I'm, I needed a hammer and I could not find a hammer in this building. I'm telling you, we have 82 hammers and I can't find a single one of them. And so I'm looking everywhere. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to hang this up. And I'm, I start looking around for what I can use as a hammer. And so I'm like, I can use this and no, I, they, I'll dent it or, you know, I'm looking around. And so finally, what am I doing? I'm like, I found a big old spoon and I got that thing and I'm with a big old spoon, like it's a huge spoon. And I'm, that's not what that was. That was designed for ladling stuff. That's not a hammer. It's not, I can try to use it, but it's not a hammer. You can say that you like to be alone and that might be true, but that's not how you were designed. There are times for you to be alone. Jesus was alone at times. And then there's times you got to be with people because in a community is where we find our greatest amount of growth. So people who are out there on the edges, if you're listening today, or if you're out there on the edges and you're like, man, I'm just shy, I'm introverted. I'm like, no, that's a lie that the enemy has told you over a period of time and you actually have bought into that lie and you've assumed a false identity. You've assumed a false identity because God has made us to where truly we should want to be in community. This is the last jarring statement that I'm going to say to you. Online ministry is only supposed to be supplemental. It's not a substitute. So any of you guys who are watching today, I'm so glad that we have this ability uh, to, to punch the hole into this service out to you guys, but it's supplemental. It's there for you if you need to be away for a while. It's there for you if you're sick. It's there if you're on business or you're out of town, but that is not a substitute for what happens here. We need you here. We need you involved in the body of Christ. So let me just share a couple of scriptures with you. John 17 and 21 says it like this. Jesus is praying and he says, Father, I pray that they will all be one, one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Like, that's Jesus' desire for the church, that we be one. Not severed body parts all over the place. That we're one. That we are one. That we, like, there are certain people around Destiny, like, that they've just been friends with me for so long, they actually know my, the way I think. If you've been married for any length of time, you know how, like, You'll walk into a room. You've been in another room. You hadn't talked to your wife and, or spouse or whoever in, in, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. And you walk into a room and you go, you know, I was thinking about maybe vacationing in like the mountains next, next fall. And your wife says, you're not going to believe it. God as my witness. I was sitting here thinking, we ought to vacation in the mountains next fall. How does that happen? Because of the koinonia that exists between a husband and wife, and they are one. You, be, you begin to think alike. You begin to, there's a spiritual level. That's not like weirdness. That you, there is a spiritual level that you are on with that person. And listen to me, it doesn't, you don't have to be a Christian. That's one of those principles that, when you become one, you begin to have that, that kind of interaction. And that's how God wants us to be. That scripture right there on the screen behind me, I could spend so much time on that. I know we don't have it, but there's, this, there's scripture that says that God holds nothing back from Jesus. He tells him, all the mysteries of the universe. There's nothing that the father knows that he doesn't, that he holds back from the son, save one thing, 
Anybody know what that is? The second coming. That's the only thing that Jesus is still waiting on. Like, you go, is today the day you're going to tell me? But here's the beautiful thing. He says, I want them to be one as you and I are one. And then we're all one. And so he will not hold back the mysteries, the revelation of God from you and me. So let me go to this next one. Uh-oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Paul is talking and he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually you are members of it. Like you're an individual part of the body, but you're also a collective part of the body. You serve a purpose. And what do we call it? Uh, you know, if my arm, uh, God forbid, were severed from my body and I'm here, but my arm's laying over there, we call that dis, disjointed, dismembered. I've been dismembered. Like when somebody is cut off from koinonia, from ecclesia, they are dismembered. They're cut off. What's going to happen to that arm that's severed from my body? It will die. It will die. And I don't know, I'm not this smart, and maybe I should have read up on this and, uh, before I use this as an illustration, but there are parts of your body. I don't know if that arm could be attached to somebody else, and they use it. But I know that like, they can take part of my lung and put it in you, or my heart, or my eyes. I'm not sure you want my brain. <laughs> but they can take parts of your body and... In a jar, it's just going to die. In a cooler of ice, it's just going to die within a few hours. But if they can get that thing reattached to the body, a, even a different body, but to a body, that thing will live, that organ will live because we're made to exist together. If you guys want to come. Um, this is what I want to leave with you today, this thought. God designed us for fellowship. We learned that last week. But God designed fellowship for us. I want to just go through it again, real slow. God designed us for fellowship. But he designed fellowship specifically for us. In other words, fellowship, koinonia, ecclesia, is something that you and I need. You need church. Well, I can get my church by listening to Stephen Furtick. No, you can't. I can get my church by listening to T.D. Jakes. No, you can't. Why? Because the fullness of koinonia does not come through a 20-minute sermon online to a person you don't know. Y'all have heard me say this before. Somebody told me one time that Bill Johnson was their, uh, their mentor. I'm like, oh, that's laughable. Do you know him? You got his cell phone number. Do you know, you ever been to his house? He ain't your mentor. He's a man that is a great teacher and you can glean a lot from him. But you know what? Bill Johnson ain't ever going to come to you and do this. <laughs> Why? Because you're not in relationship with Bill Johnson. And that's what koinonia is. You're not in koinonia with Bill Johnson or T.D. Jakes or Stephen Furtick. You might in some small sense of the word, but not in a holistic sense of the word. They're never going to correct you. They're never going to, you know, it's a passive form of discipleship. You get what you want out of it. But when you are in koinonia, you know, you are called to a different place. It's a different relationship. And so God designed us for fellowship, but he also designed fellowship for us. And this is what koinonia, and I'm going to zip through these really fast 
so you can take a photo of them at the end of it. But I'm going to zip through these really fast. So koinonia, what does the biblical community look like, first of all? Like, what does it look like? Because there are people that they call themselves being connected to the body all the time. And it's like, no, you are as connected to the body of Christ as you are uh, to a, uh, you know, Luke Bryan concert or something. Like, no, you're not connected. You attend that. Koinonia, what does it look like? It looks like these things. Number one, devotion. In Acts chapter 42, uh, uh, 2 chapter 2 verse 42, it said that, and they devoted themselves. So there's a devotion that that community that began to form. That means there's a spiritual devotion and there's a relational devotion. Like I told Shay uh, not long ago, I'm like, baby, the day that we grew up, sadly, it doesn't exist. Church just doesn't exist like that. You know what? I want to hear people talk more about Destiny Church than they do their favorite church across town. Does, is that petty? No, it's not. I want to hear people talk more about Destiny Church. You know, for a while, we had so many people here that, uh, that talked so much about Bethel Church. And I have nothing against Bethel. My, my daughter went to Bethel for a year. I've been to Bethel. I've read many of their books. I agree with lots of stuff. You know, it's a great, incredible family of God. Totally love the, those people. But so many people uh, talk so much about Bethel. We would have people come in and I, I called them Bethelites. Um, they came to us because they thought I was going to be Bill Johnson. And when they found out I wasn't, they were sadly, you know, distracted and left. Why? Because they're worshiping a man. They're not coming for, you know, what is God doing for this house? And, you know, and I'm like, now, listen, I think I know Bill Johnson pretty well, not personally, but from the stuff that I've heard him uh, teach and everything, Bill Johnson will tell you real quick, don't tell me about your vision until you know my vision. Don't tell me about what you want me to do for you until you show me what you can do for this house. There's nothing wrong with that. We need people to be loyal to their ecclesia. Like you need to, to, to uh, be a huge fan of what God is doing here. And they devoted themselves spiritually and relationally and what we've done in our church culture by making it all about the people and not about God is we've made it so much so that it's like we're not in deep relationship anymore because we kind of go over here, we kind of go over there, we kind of do this thing. And I've talked to people and they're like, yeah, I go to this group on uh, Thursday night at this church and I go to this study on Wednesday night at this church and I go to this. And I'm like, but which one of those is your church? Like... No, you need to get in a church somewhere. Doesn't mean you can't go to those things, but you need to, where do you serve? They don't serve anywhere, but they sure are getting lots of spiritual food. Compassion. They helped one another. Um, frequency and familiarity. So you have a church that shows that their compassion, if you're at a church that you, that church is never helping people, nope, not true koinonia, not true ecclesia. If you're a, you're a part of koinonia, it looks like frequency. They met daily at the temple. Do you know there are still churches in the world today that still meet daily? They meet every day for church. As a matter of fact, Isaiah Kadiri from Nigeria, he came here and he's like, Pastor Rife, you guys don't have church enough. And I'm like, believe me, brother, we have church. These, these folks over here ain't like y'all Nigerians. You know, there's too much, there's too many idols that we worship that we gotta be about, you know, all of these different things. They have church every day, every day for hours <laughs> growth biblical community looks like growth growth has got to be happening you know there are times where I'm like God I wish our church were bigger I wish there were more people here I do but I'm telling you what I, I would take 
quality over quantity anytime, anytime. I used to be a youth pastor and my, my pastor was always after me, you know, to increase numbers, increase numbers, increase numbers, increase numbers. And so I would do all kinds of crazy stuff to get kids to come to church. That was the big, biggest bunch of hellions. I ain't lying. And those kids were terrible. Mark Dawson, your brother was one of the biggest, you know, ones. I ain't lying. All this gray hair up here, they gave it to me. And, um, and you know what? I went to my pastor and I said, look, I can't even teach because we have so many behavioral issues. I'm like, so this is what we're going to do if you'll bless it. And I said, let me just start teaching the word. A lot of these kids are not going to come anymore. But what will happen is we will, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this and we're going to take a nosedive. And what's going to happen, we're going to teach and slowly but surely we are going to build our number back up to a bunch of kids who are on fire. And I ain't lying. This is the youth group that Brian and Tim and Sheila and all of you guys, Carol, y'all, Rochelle came up out of that group. We had one of the most on fire groups of young people that I've ever seen in my history of ministry. But it was because we got away from all of that, uh, that what people thought Koinonia was to you know, he's our rock. He's our cornerstone. Like we were singing this morning. Let me tell you the benefits and then we're going to go home. What are benefits? Cause remember I said he created fellowship for us. So what's in it for us? There is a degree See, we don't have to come and seek our own way. God loves us so much that he's got something in us for us. That's his original plan. Here it is. This is what it looks like. Number one, love and forgiveness. Koinonia, if you are in a place, the benefits are love. We'll love you where you are, but not enough to leave you where you are. We'll forgive in a community. There's forgiveness in Koinonia, but there's also encouragement. Like if you're at a place where you're never encouraged and you're always beat down, Shay's mom came in uh, one Sunday, this years ago, and she, after service, she said, I just want to tell you that I'm not used to this kind of church because she said, you tell the truth, but I feel so lifted up and encouraged when I leave. And at my church, all my pastor does is tell me how bad we are and how pathetic we're living for Christ. And it's like you, you leave just feeling beat up. The spirit of prophecy is encouragement. So koinonia looks like encouragement. It looks like support, sometimes physical, sometimes spiritual, sometimes emotional. It looks like discipleship. Discipleship is corrective, it's instructive, it's, it's reproof. Like there are times, like what Shay's mom was saying is there are times that the church has to be pro prophetically corrected. That's what a prophet does. A prophet corrects and points and brings back in alignment with the word of God. And there are times that that needs to happen that's not all prophecy is. Prophecy is to encourage you. And if you're ever, you know, if prophecy ever is harsh, there's always a silver lining that goes with every prophetic word. God is not just going to leave you hanging on. You're terrible. Straighten up. God never leaves you there. God, and he doesn't say it in that voice either. God always corrects us and then says, there's a better way. And here it is. Go and sin no more. Go and be the light of the world. Go be the salt of the earth. And I think there's two other things up here. There's value and honor. In Koinonia, there's value. You bring value to that house. You have something that that house needs. Not just that we want it, but you possess it and this house needs it. Why did God even put that in you? Because somebody in this house needs it. Why did God give you that job? Well, you needed an income and a 401k. That is not, God can provide for you any way he chooses. God put you there to be salt and light. 
and encouragement and you bring value to that place. And this is the last one, a safe place to grow, a safe place to grow. Koinonia in true ecclesia is gonna be a place where you can use your spiritual gifts and not be shamed when you get it wrong. How many of y'all rode a bike the first time and you just face planted? Like I face planted it and just ruined my elbows uh, bike riding. But never once did my dad say, you're an idiot, you suck, you're terrible at this. You know, you'll never get it. He's like, oh, son, come here. And he, you know, bandaged me up, put me back on it and set me off again because we're not always gonna get it right the first time. And we need a place where we can be safe in how we grow. And when you fall down, where you're not gonna be ridiculed or shunned or cast out, but if you'll stick with that body of Christ, they'll help you grow through that. So here's where we're gonna end. I want you to say it with me, okay? God designed us for fellowship and fellowship for us. And here's how we're going to activate it. I want you to take one step towards Koinonia. Some of y'all might be visiting here and you go to a different church. Take a step towards Koinonia. I'm already engaged, Pastor Rife. There's always a deeper place you can go in your relationship. Do you think after 34 years, three, four, 30, is it 33? I'm sorry, babe. I'm human. I've been preaching a lot this morning. All right. My brain is not, uh, all right, so give me, give me, hey, I need a safe place. This needs to be a safe place for me. But do you think after 34 years of marriage that we don't have a deeper place to grow in our marriage? No, we do. Like we've got so many areas of our marriage that we can grow in. So take a step. What does that look like practically? It could look like introducing to your, yourself to somebody new today or at your church. It could look like inviting somebody to lunch. Well, nobody invited me out today. Will you invite somebody out? Don't wait for somebody. And well, I invited them out and those people were just strange and weird. Well, that could be true. Invite somebody else out because all of us aren't weird. Invite somebody out. You may not connect with every person that you think you will but keep trying to build those connections. Get involved in a small group or volunteer to serve somewhere. These are ways that you can take steps. And I promise you, koinonia is going to lead you into a healthier relationship with God and it's gonna make you happier.